Hello, and welcome to Criterion... Close up, close up, close up, close up, close up. Or some other world. Is this really <laughs> Criterion close up, or are we on a different podcast, Aaron? It is. We're just in space. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I, I thought maybe we were in a virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Four realities removed or something. Yeah, well, well I, it is Criterion close up, but I don't know if this is real life. Uh, <laughs> is this just fantasy? That? Is this real life? Is this real life? Yeah, this is real life. Okay, now... Okay, now I... I have two fingers. <laughs> uh, and if we're in space, can we breathe? And can anybody hear us scream? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well, hopefully uh, um, hopefully, I don't make you scream by um, some of the things I say on this podcast and vice versa, some of your, your choices, but we'll see. I'm not a screamer. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of ways you can go you with take, that. But. Take that many different ways. So perfect. <laughs> nice, nicely done. In the, the context of science fiction or slash horror science fiction, which there's somewhat blurred lines. We'll get into that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, good stuff. So uh, we, I've noticed here you know, we've been tending to blather on a little bit at the beginning of Criterion Close-Up before actually talking about the movie, which I like. It's good. It's. Uh, I think I think people love blather. Is it blather <laughs> or blabber? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. One one or the other. It's all it's all the same. But we are here on Criterion Close-Up. I'm Mark Herney here with Aaron West talking about World on a Wire, Rainer Werner Fassbender, um, and also talking about sci-fi films. Uh, if I remember, Aaron, this is our first Fassbender film, and we haven't... Must yeah. be because it's the only one I've seen. So, okay. <laughs> Put that out there. Uh, and our probably our first sci-fi episode ever. So uh, I don't yeah. think we've done any sci-fi films. Not really, unless you uh, unless you count. I mean, I know we, we talked about Videodrome on the O Canada Blogathon sure. episode, and uh, I mean, maybe if you, I guess the Brood would be sort of sci-fi, sort of horror. Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, I. Cronenberg, I consider sci-fi. So yeah, and and we almost did uh, Solaris two thousand one, which someday right. would still be a lot of fun. Yep, um, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, uh, a lot of watch. Might happen. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah, we will. We will see. So yeah, and we'll, we'll we'll be talking as I mentioned about uh, a lot of sci-fi films. Uh, you went on a bit of a bender, Aaron. So really looking forward to hearing some feedback from you as to how that went. I did go on a major bender, and uh, and and I also watched a few movies. So there you oh, go. Oh, right. <laughs> movies go well with benders, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Just take take your substance of choice. So, <laughs> but first, we wanted to thank uh, Keith Enright for joining you and filling in for me so uh, well. Uh, he did a great job talking with you about the War Room. Keith rocks. Uh, he's he's no Herney, but you know, uh, <laughs> good if, for if him. I, if, if Herney's not here, then uh, you know Keith will uh, he'll he'll more than do. Yeah, so, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Really, really good. I mean, and, and he'd really—I uh, know he'd seen the the film a few times. I thought he had some really uh, great perspective and a perfect choice. I can't did uh, which which of you picked that film? I mean, it's so appropriate for this time. You know, you I, I actually I watched it because of this time. I, okay. I just you know it was one I wanted to see just to compare. I I not well we. You can listen to the episode, but yep. I'd seen it before, yep. uh, and uh, I knew you weren't available, so it was sort of short notice. I got uh, reached out to Keith a few days prior, and uh, he was game, uh, and he he crammed it in. Nice, uh, crammed it in. He uh, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he he watched it at the last minute, and uh, and yeah, he had great great insights. Uh, and I think we we both are into politics, so we we had some. Uh, 
a lot to sift through. Um, yeah. So I, I think it worked. Yeah, yeah, it sounded great. You guys did a good job of sifting through it, but not, you know, getting too political. Um, you know, you talked a lot about Penn and Baker and the the style. That was was great. Mm-hmm. And thank you, uh, uh, Keith, again for being so <laughs> it, uh, having the ability to cram it in, uh, as uh, Aaron said. So nice work. Good ability, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> so along with that, uh, we have a decision to make. Well, I actually, I, I've, I've already made my decision. You have right. a decision to make. Right. Yeah. Good point. You, Good point. You did not get out of this one. No, no. And I'm, I'm glad you, you know, you let me know. I did need to check it out. I watched it with my wife. And, uh, you know, I thought about this, Aaron. This is the second, I think, Penna Baker film that we've watched. I don't know how many directors, uh, it's not just Penna Baker, but uh, how many right. directors um, we've actually watched more than one film. And I noticed that Don't Look Back, we did canonize. I had to go back and check just to We did, yeah. And that was with remember. Keith as well. Yeah. So I guess, Aaron, so you already made your decision. Are you still on board with canonizing? You still feeling good about that decision? Sure. And, and for listeners that uh, missed the uh, the last show, uh, you know, you're forgiven. But uh, uh, both Keith and I agreed to canonize The War Room. We think it's a, a film worthy of the canon. But uh, Mark and I ha- have decided that we won't canonize a film unless we both agree. So even though Keith uh, I'm sure you considered Keith's opinion, but he doesn't Absolutely. get a vote. He, he's not a delegate. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. uh, he's a super delegate. Uh, so well, yeah, we're not going there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I, I did. I guess I will say just I'll make a couple quick notes. I guess almost like a short take. I, I sure. liked the you know the good the, the verite style about this again, and I think Keith, one of you had mentioned it how you're not. I'm not really sure what's going on or why at times you're kind of dropped in the middle of conversations and what's going on, which I, I like that. My wife did comment on that, that it's, it is a bit disorienting, but I think I, I just like that fly on a wall, uh, aspect mm-hmm. of this again. And, uh, I, I think I appreciate, this is one again, I think will, uh, reward repeat viewings and talks about one thing I put in my notes is instead of the war room, I might call, I might've called it the spin room. Uh, mm-hmm. because you know, it's really what campaigns do. They really spin, sure. you know, a message for uh, somebody. But uh, yeah, so I, and I, I like the film a lot and I, I th- can see it again, like I said, getting better with age. So I'm with you. I, I think we should canonize it. I didn't get to delve into the supplements, unfortunately, but I think it's uh, just okay. an important uh, piece of filmmaking from, um, from them. So I'm with you, Kenan. High five, bro, man. <laughs> uh, First uh, yeah. documentary too, I think for us, if I remember, yeah. so. Well, no, no, second, back. second, yeah. right, and, and both so, yeah. by Pennebaker. So. Pennebaker, yeah, and uh, yeah, actually, I, there are probably some other Pennebakers if we uh, get to them, we could put there. No, yeah. I, I think it. I, I think just like you said, it's a for a political film. It is flying the wall. It does stand on its own, and it's uh, really unique. Uh, really captured lightning in a bottle. So yeah, I, I think it is pretty magical. And uh, e- even if you're not a Clinton fan, and I know there are many, many. Uh, anti-Clinton fans uh, at the moment. Sure. Uh, well, anti-Clinton fans, anti-Clinton people. people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's, it's and one guy mentioned that uh, he didn't like um, James Carville, so he didn't want to watch it. Uh, ah, however, yeah. and, and I, that's because Carville has become a, a fixture on, on political shows, and um, you know he's, he's very liberal, and I can understand people not taken to him, but he, he comes off very differently in the film, and he, I think he's actually really enjoyable. Oh, so. yeah, certainly. Yep. 
All right, good another stuff. One, another one in the canon. Inducted. We're uh, we at some point we'll get some some canon music. Um. Uh, uh, not inducted, elected. Elected. Good point. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I like it. Not or appointed, maybe. I don't know. This is a democracy uh, for sure. I guess we, you and I would be the super delegates in that case. So elected. it is a de- democracy with a, a, a two person voting body. Right. <laughs> so, all right. I guess you'd probably consider that an oligarchy. But anyway, <laughs> that's funny. Not going to get into government. <laughs> uh, this this is this is our podcast, so yeah, we're the That's only true. two votes that count technically. That's true. We, we we could talk about all sorts of other political systems. If you uh, actually, they they probably apply to sci-fi too in yeah. some respects. Yeah, sure. It's <laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> okay. So canon canonizing the war room. Uh, so let's get into. We have uh, some short takes to talk about, and then we're going to get into some science fiction films. Uh, may even have some crossover, but. Yeah, and I, we should preface mine are all going to be science fiction because of the science fiction project I've been uh, undergoing, which we'll talk about in a second. Yours don't have to be. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. You you weren't in this in this project, so do you want to go first? Or and by the way, I have five. I know you have two. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I have a feeling that my my other three you'll probably be able to respond to. Sure. Well, why don't we kick it to you first? Because since you have more, you'll kick us off. Uh, we're going to kick it. Um, kick it. All right. Well, this one might be one you haven't seen. I'm not sure, but it is uh, "Woman in the Moon" or "Frau im Mond." I haven't yet. No. Which is a 19? Is it 28 or 29? Fritz Lang silent film. Uh, it is 1929, and that one is really high. Of course, it's an early silent silent film. Uh, you know, around I think it was right after Metropolis, uh, and it's it's. Okay, it's very long. It's almost three hours, which is very challenging, even mm-hmm. for uh, you know, even for a captivating silent film. But what's one thing I've found that I tend to admire in science fiction, which may or may not be fair, is when they get it right, when they when they kind of do predict the future. And this one, it's amazing how close it got to mm-hmm. uh, the real moon landing in uh, in the '60s and. Uh, and the science behind it. So, um, so it was really fascinating to see. Uh, of course, some things are just outrageous, like uh, walking on the moon uh, without, you know, without spacesuits space and, sure. and just, you know, chatting it up. But, uh, but still, it, it was an engaging uh, watch. I, I did rate it a seven, which I think is respectable. It was, um, it's not my favorite silent science fiction, but it was a good one. And and actually, it's more good for its influence and its importance than it, uh, you know, just as a film itself. Sure. Nice. He, he had quite the run. I was just looking at the list there you mentioned. I mean, there's Dr. Mabuse, uh, Metropolis, Spies, Woman in the Dune, uh, in the Moon, M, Testament. <laughs> it's, wow. <laughs> yeah, and, and he kept Jeez. on going. I think even his uh, his Hollywood stuff, his noirs are, are amazing. Yeah. Uh, so Amazing director. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And I'm sure, sure we'll get back to him at some point. Yeah. I'm glad you got to, to see that one. Um, I guess, you know, the first one I'll mention is, uh, this is a, a 2000, I think it originally came out in 15, I can't remember which festival, uh, but it, it's really, for most folks, it's a 2016 film. Uh, it's out there right now called uh, The Fits. Um, so this is one that uh, my local sim- film society showed, and so sometimes I'm able to, to get there for that. Uh, it's by new, she's not new to... Uh, well, new director, I should say, Anna Rose Halmer. Uh, I don't think she's very well known, and this is really her uh, directing debut, I believe. Um, and this one I, I liked 
quite a bit. Uh, there is a uh, friend of the show, Dustin, who was on for our Grosset episode, had mentioned this uh, when I posted it on Facebook, and he he liked it uh, also. It's it's a bit tough to um, really see what's going on. Um, I mean, there's not really a lot of. I'd say surreal elements. I'm not really quite sure what's going on, but there's a, uh, I guess I'll just mention the, the uh, synopsis. While training uh, at the gym, 11-year-old tomboy Tony becomes entranced with a dance troupe. And as she struggles to fit in, she finds herself caught up in danger. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Thank you, IMDb. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, sorry. And uh, yeah, it's, it, and there's fainting spells and other violent fits, yada, yada. I, I think it's really more of a, um, a look at, I mean, really... I don't know if you'd say female gaze, but I I got a sense of that. Instead of seeing the the male gaze, you get a bit of the the female gaze. Of course, it's a, about her, and um, I think it really is about the the female experience. Uh, as for as much as I can uh, kind of look into that, sure. could be about. I mean, and, and there's some elements in there. I think the surreal elements that are not really explained really you, you could paint parallels to that and I, I would to some of the things that women go through that uh, men do not so definitely recommend it if you get a chance to check it out it's very short I think it's like 70 some minutes um, that is the fits uh, very well uh, photographed and uh, certainly a, a bit of a thinker make you think about it and a woman filmmaker which is that's uh, important nowadays and also Absolutely. I see that this this filmmaker has a connection to tiny furniture which has a, a criterion connection one, it's a little bit controversial yes. <laughs> among Criterion fans, uh, but uh, it is a, a fem- female director, and yeah. actually I haven't seen it, so I, I can't really, I haven't seen either of these, um, so I can't speak speak to it, but uh, I have heard some good things about this. Yeah, yeah, most most of what I've heard has been pretty positive, too. Dustin's, you know, uh, I think said the same, and I, who knows, maybe it'll come to Criterion. We want to, if we want to get some more uh, female directors in the, the collection, here's a possibility. They have said that there are um, more coming, so yeah, yeah we'll I think uh, who knows? It, it's never easy to predict, but right. All right, well, how about see. your number my, two? My next one. Uh, it's a long list. Um, there is Island of Lost Souls. Have you nice. seen that one? I have. I have. Was that a that, that a first time watch for you? Yeah, these were cool. all first time watches. Uh, Excellent. And so this is one I had been, you know, it, I, it's been on my radar for a long, long time before the Criterion came out. I knew it as a pre-code uh, monster movie, uh, and pre- pre-code monster slash, I mean, it's Island of Dr. Moreau. You know, we, right. we know the story. It, it's right. a little better than that later version that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I love pre-code films. Uh, people be surprised this is 1932 but it has some very grotesque elements uh some torture some vivisection uh yeah you wouldn't see that a few years later uh you know it's it's also charles lawton and he's always uh fascinating to watch even if he's uh not uh the lead character i I guess he's sort of the lead character Uh, he's the doctor right kind of so yeah i i I enjoyed it i I gave it four stars or four stars uh, eight out of ten Four stars on, on the letterbox. Uh, cool. That's it's short. Yeah, it, a lot of a lot of those early '30s films are short. Uh, I kind of like that though. You know, you just get right to it. Yep. Get out of it. Quick yep. resolution. Yeah. You a fan? Yeah, I I like this one a lot. I saw this one uh, with my friend Keith Silva at one point, and I mean, I'm a big H.G. Wells fan. Uh, for what I've read and seen, I just think he does a great job with sci-fi and uh, short mm-hmm. novels, short movies. So sure. yeah, this is definitely a, a, a favorite of mine. Cool. Yeah. 
So my uh, my other short take that I'm going to mention is um, has nothing to do with Criterion. It's a big blockbuster, but uh, had a fun experience. Uh, my family and I went up to Montreal, and my kids, being here in Vermont, we don't have an IMAX uh, screen, and my kids have never seen an IMAX movie, so we made oh. a point to, to get up there and, and see one. So I've seen, like, I think three IMAX movies, but uh, we went to see Captain America Civil War uh, in 3D on in IMAX. So it was a a good time. I, I think the kids. One thing we were worried about is uh, we brought earplugs because the last time I'd seen an IMAX was Terminator Genesis, which not only is it a bad movie, it uh, the sound was way too loud. <laughs> so it is a bad movie. That was that was rough. But this, on the other hand, I think this is a good film. I I have Marvel fatigue uh, for sure, and I think this one did a good job of really bringing me back in. Um, I Probably the last film, Marvel film, that I, I would say I liked quite a bit was uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. So here's the next Captain America film. Um, I haven't seen some of the other recent ones like Ant-Man and Age of Ultron. I mean, I, I'll go back and watch them at some point with the kids, uh, mm-hmm. maybe. But, you know, this this was fine. I'd seen enough of them. And, um, yeah, I, I like the fact that there are some nice themes in this one um, of, you know, really th- there's no big baddie at the end. There is a villain. But, um, you know, as you can tell from the, the title, Civil War, uh, it's just themselves. And, you know, I, I did wonder a bit why this is a Captain America movie instead of Avengers. It does focus on him. Uh, but it does, uh, you know, include most of the Avengers, so it does feel like that. But I, I guess, you know, that's the the way it's it's got to be. We just have to mm-hmm. do things big. But yeah, <laughs> the action is really big. But you know, the action's pretty well done. I've I've heard some folks say the editing kind of got to them. It did a little bit early on, um, but um, you know, with some of the scenes with Scarlett Johansson. Uh, but you know, I I thought it was pretty well done, even though the the scenes are. Uh, action scenes are a lot of them they're long but uh, it's it's good um, and there is some some humor especially in the the big action scene at the at the airport so uh, almost two and a half hours I didn't feel the length uh, my wife did so <laughs> for what that's worth uh, but uh, good film it's definitely worth uh, if you're into ready to see another Marvel Cinematic Universe film uh, this is the one to see I think so okay cool yeah I I have seen the others you mentioned, and, and actually, there's there's a fine line between science fiction and superhero. Uh, so, the, and bookmark that. We'll come back to it. Yes. <laughs> um, I actually was not crazy about Winter Soldier, but I think that's because I didn't know that it was so close to uh, 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 the Condor. Uh, what's the uh, Twelve Days of the Condor, whatever? It oh, was, yeah. Redford. Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I, I know what you mean. So I, I actually. Uh, rented um, the Winter Soldier, and I was planning to rewatch it and give it another chance, uh, mm-hmm. but I haven't gotten to it yet. I thought, thought I'd give it a, another chance before seeing Civil War. Yeah, I, oh, three days of the Condor. I don't know why I said twelve. I'm thinking twelve days of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Almost there, a few more ones. Very different. Not as many days. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 it's hard for me to get too enthused about uh, comic book films because I, I was disappointed with Ultron, and I was—I I liked Ant Man. I thought it was fun, but mm-hmm. I, you know, it was nothing spectacular. And I think just being fun is is really what they uh, they aimed for. Yeah, yeah, and th- this yeah, this one was. I mean, there's some some dark elements, but uh, you know, appropriate for 
the time frame and uh, you know some some nice themes about the the collateral damage that uh, mm-hmm. I you know, really kind of pervades it throughout. It's it's like oh we we listen to the fans in this one. People have been complaining about that, so we're going to talk about it. And at first, it's a bit you know. I think it puts you off or put me off a little bit because I knew that's exactly what they were doing, but it, it pervades mm-hmm. the, the film pretty well. I think they, they handle it uh, nicely. So, yeah, it's cool. a solidly made uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe film. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a little bit of superhero fatigue, but, uh, yeah. but you know, at least there's Star Wars is coming back and, you know, and there's going to be like 80 avatars. So <laughs> right. <there you> go. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, plenty of other stuff. All right. So well, what's your, think... what's your next uh, short take? I think you've got uh, at least a couple more. Three more. I'll be a little quick. Sure. Uh, but, uh, the next one is Robinson Crusoe on Mars, another mm. Criterion one. Uh, have you seen it? I have. I I didn't like it as much as the others. I think this is probably my least favorite of the bunch, but that's not... I, I didn't hate it. I, I just... You know, I'm, I'm, we're comparing... Um, it's being compared with some really top-notch films here. Sure. I uh, love the set pieces. Oh, uh, my well, goodness. Actually, yeah. set, actually uh, locations, because a lot of those were not sets. Uh, looked fantastic. And, and it actually... Amazing. It reminded me of uh, some of the Harryhausen films, like uh, uh, First Men on the Moon. Oh, sure. Kind of, even though that one had sets, uh, still it looked great. I, I wasn't, th- some of the, the little things, the acting, uh, some of the effects, it, it's it's really easy to, to <laughs> judge effects from the 50s uh, today. Mm. But, uh, you know, of course they don't have CG, and, and sometimes the effects are charming because of that. Uh, and... Yeah, so I, I didn't love it. I, I actually gave it a 6 out of 10. And I'm sorry, I said 50s, but this is a 60s film. All right, uh, yeah. It it almost feels like a 50s film. It's uh, it's interesting. It, it is, yeah, except for it has the Technicolor and uh, and, and just looks fantastic. That's the, the main thing, main thrust of the film is the, or main appeal of the film is just the way it looks. Yeah, it's so, a bit, yeah. bit disjointed. Uh, I'm I'm with you, but, uh, and it's almost, it's, it's a bit long really for a sci-fi film, almost, you know, pushing two hours but yeah mm-hmm. I, I think it's certainly worth seeing I mean it, it's one that is looks great on blu-ray uh, for uh, the way it looks but yeah, I, yeah I'm glad to have it also great monkey performance too yeah <laughs> there's that uh, and and Adam West which uh, is kind of my namesake I've been called that name for the my entire life so I, <laughs> I, I feel like uh, what I, I usually tell people he's just my drunk uncle <laughs> perfect <laughs> I actually have done that <laughs> I believe it uh, just because you know you hear it so many times, you you have to have fun with it. You got to make up something, sure. <laughs> so uh, my next one, I, I watched the Twilight Time version of uh, Mysterious Island. Uh, oh, have cool. you seen this one? I haven't seen that one yet. This is a Harryhausen one. Uh, I, he's not the director, but if special effects coordinator, the director is Cy Enfield from 1961. And uh, you know, it's Jules Verne. It's pretty much what you'd expect from Jules Verne. Uh, however, they they go to this island, and uh, and Captain Nemo comes into play later if you know him from uh, I think 20,000 Leagues uh, the character uh, they go to this mysterious island quote uh, and they find uh, animals are giant <laughs> so there's there's a big chicken that attacks them there's a big crab uh, there's a big <laughs> bee uh, and uh, and of course the the effects are fantastic for the time uh, we can I, I can tell that you know there's a lot of rear projection and then a lot of like blown up crustaceans for the crab sure uh, you know like little i'm sure somebody had to make a foam pincher claw uh, that might have must have been quite a job for actors to pose next to yeah uh, but it, it, a blast of a film just really just enjoyable from from start to finish i, I gave it se- seven out of ten and that's just because there's not as much art it's more just escapist summer fair oh sure 
yeah. uh, which is pretty much par for the course with any Harryhausen. You know, they're they're all. Uh, I'm not going to say there's not art. It, there's the effects themselves are are very uh, artistic, but uh, right. they're very mainstream films, and especially Jules Verne. But no, I, I loved it. Uh, my, nice. Actually, I could see my, myself rating my raising my rating. Cool. And yeah, haven't seen it yet, but uh, hope to. That's that's one, especially with all the big monsters uh, or big animals. I'll watch it with my kids; they'll enjoy it. So glad to hear you liked it. Yeah, I, I would recommend all of the Harryhausen uh, Twilight Time films. So that would be this one, First Men on the Moon, and Journey to the Center of the Earth, nice. uh, and they all look fantastic and, and good transfers. Cool. And my final one is my final short take is one I've been wanting to see probably for about two decades now. But it just hasn't had a really terrific DVD release. Uh, in fact, I was talking to some people on Twitter about that today, uh, and that is Andre Tarkovsky's Stalker. Nice. Yes. Uh, so I, I was hoping to. You know, I, I had this project uh, coming up, and I was hoping the artificial eye would come out ahead of time, and it was going to initially. The release date has been bumped back a, a few times, and I don't know. It, it actually was going to be. A couple of weeks ago, I think, was the last one, but it's been bumped again. And so I'm, I'm hoping maybe August or September. So I had to break down and finally watch that Kino version. And we'll, we'll just say that I'll... Uh, fantastic film, beautiful film. Uh, it's very slow. So pe- people that are, you know, looking for Star Wars and and not anything else, uh, not anything slower than that, then stay away. But, uh, you know, very, very deep very philosophical you know, there's a lot about actually not very science fiction ish i mean it is a science fiction movie but yeah. there's a lot lot on religion a lot on faith a uh, lot on actually the age-old debate of science versus uh faith really and uh beautiful film tremendous locations that oh, just yeah. you know you know if you've seen a Tchaikovsky film you can get an idea of what his style is like but it's yeah, the camera moves just as it needs to. Uh, sometimes it kind of has a life of its own. So yeah, I, I loved this movie, and uh, and I, you know, the expectations were really high because this is pretty much. I mean, a lot of people would call this their favorite science fiction film. Hmm. Uh, and I, I was prepared to be a little disappointed, but no, it exceeded my expectations. That's and great. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and I, I can't wait to watch it again here, hopefully in a couple months, uh, and high def uh blu-ray hopefully it's a good transfer yeah but yeah uh loved it what do you think nice yeah i i like it a lot i actually picked up that and the kino mirror release just because i was sick of not having them i haven't watched them yet but i originally saw (laughs) the the dvd and you know once we get the blu-ray i'll sell it but i'm i'm a big fan i mean i actually watched it probably too late at night and uh had some trouble staying awake uh but that doesn't mean i didn't you know love the film and I, i'm with you it doesn't have a ton of sci-fi elements i mean they're there but um yeah it's it's beautiful i um it's interesting i, I mean some people call that their favorite uh tarkovsky some people might say solaris some i have andre rubelev which is you know very uh, mm-hmm. different than those two so um yeah it's it it needs a blu-ray release it it uh, needs <laughs> just some nice <laughs> tender loving care i can't wait to see it again yeah, and uh, actually, my favorite Tarkovsky is Mirror, uh, which oh, cool. you mentioned. So I'm looking yep. forward to finally seeing a good print of that. Uh, but the one thing about Tarkovsky is the even the the bad prints look good. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I can just imagine how how great a, a new print will look or yeah. a new restoration. Uh, so and I've heard good things about the 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 cur- uh, 
Curzon restoration, artificial eye. So I, I don't know if we'll see it here in the States. I imagine eventually there's going to be a huge market for it. I would think, yeah. I mean, I would hope at least some, you know, the large cities would get it, and, but we'll we'll see. Well, I meant uh, home home media. But, oh, sure. Yep. But yeah, yeah, touring as well. I, I would think that, yeah, that people would definitely show up. It is uh, uh, not quite three hours. I think it was maybe two hours and 40 minutes. And I, I did break it up uh, into, into uh, bite-sized pieces. I watched it really in two, three sittings. Yeah, smart. But uh, but it still flowed a lot faster than even for a slow film. Where, you know, there's 10, 20 minutes where nothing really happens <laughs> at certain points. It, it still, I was engaged, uh, you know, more intellectually as much as visually and and uh, uh, cinematic or moviegoerishly. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I know what you're saying. That's a terrible phrase. Moviegoerishly. So that's good it. Film. Those are my shortcuts uh, or short cakes, short takes, <laughs> short cakes. <laughs> Stock or short take? I'm getting hungry. Yeah. Nice. So, um, yeah, those are our short takes. And uh, I think we're going to have uh, probably a few more short takes. We have, uh, we wanted to get into this is really calling this more of a sci fi episode than uh, just World on a Wire because of your project. And we'll be talking about some more sci fi films. So, let's get into it. Aaron, tell us a little bit about your, your sci fi project and list. Sure. Actually, this has been brewing for about six months. But, um, of course, I put a lot of it off till the last minute, which is, <laughs> which I want to do. <laughs> Uh, this is a uh, project from uh, good friend Sammy Giuliano. Uh, he runs the uh, Wonders in the Dark blog. Uh, that's uh, Go check it out. I think it's wondersinthedark.wordpress.com. And uh, some might remember that I, I was um, in par- participated in the, in the Coming of Age series last year, which was a countdown. I, I think you might remember the troll incident with uh, the uh, My Life is a Dog. Oh, yes. That was part of that. So anyway, he uh, he has uh, kind of a circle of cinephiles, and I'm I'm fortunate to have been invited in that circle over the last couple of years, and uh, and they have projects, and, and they have some others that uh, they have a film noir, I think they have horror uh, that they've done in previous years. Uh, so this year was science fiction, and what happens is people make a list of about fifty films, and uh, well, actually fifty, I made a hundred, as you know. <laughs> And uh, well, some some people do that, and I, I decided why why be one of those guys? Go big or go home. That's right. So I've I've been th- thinking about science fiction films for the last few months, and uh, j- you know, as you just noted, or we just noted, I, I binge watched a, a handful of just the, the the big omissions I hadn't seen, and I have a tentative uh, list in place. Uh, there are a few movies I haven't seen yet that I want to. Uh, one is uh, the Fantastic Planet, which is uh, about to be released from Criterion. Another is uh, Ikari XB1, which I have ordered a Region B disc, and I'm waiting for. From second run, nice. Yeah, and then uh, the last one is uh, good old George's uh, THX 1138, which I've just been waiting for. I I don't know. I have no excuse. I've just (laughs) never seen it. Uh, But, yeah, everything else I've finished. I have about two more weeks uh, to wrap up my list, and and I actually just sent it to you, Mark, so... um, I, I, this is going to be a challenge for a podcast because there is no list for the viewers to, or the listeners to, to look at. But if you want, we can kind of go over it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be curious, you know, just some of your comments about uh, why some of these films landed where they did, at least at this point. You know, I know you're kind of finishing it up a bit, but. 
Sure. Um, well, we have a hundred, so I hope you have some time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we won't touch on on all of them, but you know, I'm especially curious, like the, the ones that fit into your top five and top ten, and not a lot of surprises there, especially in the top five. I would say. Um, sure. So w- why don't I just mention what they are, and that we can you know talk about them. Yeah, actually, if you don't mind, let me just kind of preface what one some things I tried to avoid. I mentioned comic books earlier, and I, I was careful not to do superheroes. And in fact, I think Avengers would qualify. It's you know, there's science. Sure. Uh, you know, Iron Man is is all about the science. Uh, there actually Ant Man. Uh, there the X Men. That's very much science fiction. Although from what I hear about the latest movie, would not make uh, would make a completely different list. <laughs> Uh, so I, yeah. the only one of those I had was Guardians of the Galaxy, which I think is more science fiction-y than uh, most comic books. I think as of now I have that in the 40s or 50s. I forget. Uh, I do like that one. Yeah. Uh, 48 right now. Yeah, I noticed so, you have, uh, I mean, I and that's almost kind of, uh, Guardians is almost a bit like science fantasy, kind of like Star Wars. And I noticed you had um, at least Empire Strike. Oh, yeah, A New Hope is in there, too. I have all of them, actually. Nice. Uh, well, except for the prequels. Uh, another thing I, I try to avoid was uh, horror, just because there are so many, uh, you know, Universal monsters. For instance, uh, I ended oh, sure. up doing Frankenstein. Fra- Frankenstein is science fiction slash horror, if there ever was one, and uh, the Invisible Man, which uh, again also. But I, I avoided the others, even though I, I they could have qualified. Sure. Oh, and, and Bride of Frankenstein, of course. Um, yeah. I had had that one higher than Frankenstein. So yeah, okay. That's so I. And there's a, a mixed bag. There's mainstream films. There's uh, art films. Uh, so, in fact, I think top ten is probably predominantly art films. Yeah. I, I think with science fiction, I think there's a lot. It, it's intermingled, and we'll, we'll get into the whole genre. But uh, there's a lot of art, even in mainstream films. So. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's. Uh, I'll go on record as saying science fiction is my favorite genre. Uh, still is. It's been ever since I was a kid, and I just keep coming back to it, and I can't shake it. So it's. I've seen most of the films on your list before we we were talking. I said oh, I think I've seen everything in your top forty. So it's. Cool. Give me <laughs> give me a sci fi premise, and and uh, I'm. I'm on board um and and anything you want to say about the you know really what is there something that makes your top 10 films kind of uh bubble up um you know that really uh, makes a sci-fi film for you i guess you know the ones that stick with me the ones that make me think mm. uh, you know it, it's one thing to entertain and actually even though some of these are not quote entertaining they they do uh engage me uh, all of them and, and there are a couple of mainstream ones so uh, yeah, sure. and uh, the ones I, I I plan to rewatch often. Uh, yep. And I think pretty much every one of, in fact, yes, every one of these top ten I have rewatched. Oh, I'm sorry, except for one. And in fact, that the one I haven't rewatched is Videodrome, which we actually just talked about for the uh, the Canada show. But the, right. that that one actually has really grown on me uh, the more I think about it. I, uh, and I think Cronenberg is a great example of uh, the, the crossover between horror and science fiction. But Absolutely. Yeah, there, very smart guy. Enough science, though. In fact, pretty much all his his films, uh, his early films, qualify. So, yeah, I had yeah. Videodrome uh, and then A Clockwork Orange. Nice. Number nine. like to see the Kubrick there. Yeah. Uh, won't be the last. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Then uh, a face of another. Yeah, the, I haven't the, seen this one. I I really I've got to delve into this uh, Tesha Gahara set. Yeah, it's well. I don't know the status of the outer, being out of print. Uh, there's 
but it, it, this is kind of like a post-war Invisible Man. Uh, it's hmm. it's pretty abstract, but it's very well done. I, I would, uh, and if you've seen Woman of the Dunes, is it Woman of or Woman in? I can never get that straight. I, don't, I can't either. Uh, it's it's a little stylistically it's very different no. nice. and then next was seconds yeah, uh, Frankenheimer Frankenheimer <laughs> acid trip uh, 60s uh, science fiction yeah this one was one I when I first saw it uh, a number of years ago I it kind of blew my mind it wasn't what I expected yeah. and we've talked about Frankenheimer a lot recently and uh, then number six, I'm sure you've seen it. I have, yeah. I used to see Children of Men by Alfonso Cuaron, uh, that high. That's uh, quite quite the film, uh, quite the cinematography. Lubetsky, I believe, did that yes. one. Yes, uh, Chivo. Love, <laughs> love this film. Uh, I've seen it numerous times. I, I, I think I bought it twice. Uh, I'll certainly buy it again. Oh, please, Criterion. <laughs> Make oh, it yeah. happen someday. Yeah. That's certainly uh, the newest uh, one on your list. I think the next one is number, you know, next newest is number 12, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, 2004. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, newer, kind of more modern film making your top 10. It's very nice. I, I do have some, some more modern films later. Uh, and I think that's one thing interesting about the genre is that, you know, you had a lot of campy stuff in the 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. some of which are here. And then, but I think really Spielberg, and there are some Spielbergs on the list. Uh, some some art f- film fans might not uh, might be disappointed, but you kind of you can't have a list like this and not have Spielberg. Sure, but it's transformed it, uh, the genre, and I think the last thirty forty years of science fiction are very different from uh, the the previous sixty seventy. So, yeah, uh, and uh, I th- I think this one has elements of Spielberg and art films like uh like 2001 a space odyssey speaking of <laughs> number five uh nice i think a lot of people would have this as their number one uh yeah, this is I, the... I, I would well it's my favorite overall film i say now that's there's a bit of nostalgia in there for me uh, because it's been my favorite film since i was uh, very young and every time i rewatch mm-hmm. it you know it kind of <laughs> repositions itself there i mean looking at some of the other films on your list once i delve into them more see them more often maybe but it's it's just the quintessential, uh, you know, science fiction film for me. There's nothing that gets me thinking about <laughs> myself in the world uh, like that film does, uh, my place in the world. So, yeah. And what's amazing about 2001 is it is slow. And when you're talking about Tarkovsky, mm. it is slow. But a lot of people that wouldn't call themselves art film buffs love it. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it really does have wide wide appeal. Yeah, and it's amazing great, thing about it. Great villain, you know, really. Uh, Hal 9000, yeah. iconic villain, uh, very quotable. Dave. No. <laughs> <laughs> Daisy. <laughs> uh, so yeah. my, and then the next one, speaking of which, Stalker. There it is. Up the, right up there, shot up like a bullet. Uh, yeah, like and I could see myself raising it, uh, or maybe lowering it, uh, depending on... Uh, but yeah, I just think this one. Uh, I'm, you know, discovering it later than many, but I'm going to get a lot of mileage out of Stalker. Yeah, absolutely. We can revisit that one a lot for sure. And uh, it's a very long film, but my number three is a short film. Yes, uh, one of a, a couple on the list. Uh, La Jete. Nice. Chris Marker. Uh, the it's the in, um, influence of uh, Twelve Monkeys as well, which is also on the list. 
also a good film. Are are you a fan of Le Jeté? Big big fan. I've only seen it. Well, actually, I think I've been through it twice. But just the, the yeah, the use of this this short science fiction story, kind of small, kind of big, but told um, in you know just these freeze frames. It's amazing. I it's, yeah. it's there's nothing nothing else like it. Uh, I'm glad to see it this this high on your list. Yeah, it tells a big story in a short amount of time with mm-hmm. a really innovative uh, uh, style, and uh, yeah, a lot of lot of short uh, uh, frames, but they did blow it up into a full length movie, and, and that worked as well. It's it's rare yeah. that, that 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 happens, but uh, I think it's based on the strength of of this film. Yeah, absolutely. And my number two is Metropolis. Nice, really. Yes. The f- could could be considered the first. Um, yeah. the the groundbreaking sci fi film. Sure, I, yeah. I would say a trip to the moon might be the first, uh, yeah. even though that one's more comical. Uh, this is serious and uh, very futuristic, actually, still futuristic. <laughs> so, yeah. um, it it does it holds up, and I think that's a that's a str- sign of a strong uh, film. Uh, and one thing I love is all the different scores. Uh, there, there was actually a oh, yeah. a good episode on um, a musical notation podcast, uh, Wes Anthony, about this. That I, I think I'm going to put that on the show notes. Good idea. He talks about the um, the different scores. Uh, so, yeah, that's such a such an important and groundbreaking film, and it, it influences not just sci-fi as we know it, but other films too. Um, it's yeah, it's I I don't know if you can. I mean, I, I think I've only seen it twice, and you probably can't overstate the the influence uh, being so early on. It's great, nice to see it at number two. But same, but I have not seen the um, what's the name of the. Uh, the Marauder edition. Uh, oh yeah. But after hearing the uh, the musical notation podcast, and I own it, I bought bought it from uh, from I guess Masters of Cinema was it? Yep, they did a steelbook version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have that. I just haven't watched it yet. So yeah, same. So here. number one, drum roll. You want to say it? It's a it kind of a, you could say the Russian um, answer to two thousand one. Your number five, Solaris. Solaris. Yes, this one I just love, 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 obviously. And, uh, yeah, I, I have it above Stalker for the moment. Um, I could see Stalker supplanting it as I think about it more. But, yeah, again, it's sure. very deep, uh, but also accessible. I, I'd say far more accessible than really any any uh, Tarkovsky. I, uh, would you agree? Yeah, I would probably, I mean, maybe Ivan's Childhood, um, just a very, but that's a very, you know, it's shorter, uh, very different film. I haven't um, seen that. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, I would say of, of anything else I've seen, it's the most accessible. Um, although it's uh, especially as it goes along, I think, mm-hmm. um, and another long film, but uh, just very uh, affecting in that relationship and identity and the people. You know what's important to us. It's there's so many themes in there. Yeah. So many. Yeah, I yeah I, I don't want to say too much because we we talked about uh, doing an episode and I, I think we yeah. absolutely have to someday. Yep. Maybe that that t- stalker or st- sorry stalker Solaris, uh, two thousand one uh, one day will come to fruition. Uh, yep. And so yeah, I, I did have some uh, some animated movies. Uh, I, I think animation is important for for science fiction because that they can do more with it. Uh, I can't wait to visit uh, Fantastic Planet. Yeah. But I. Had uh, the Iron Giant, Wally. Uh, that's a World of Tomorrow, which is a, a recent one. Yeah, yeah. And nice uh, to see those. And love World of Tomorrow. I've talked about it ad nauseum. Yeah. Uh, I think some other animation. I don't, yeah, I saw uh, Paprika, and it's a beautiful, it's such a beautiful day. Another Hertzfeld. Also, sure, on there. sure. Yeah. Uh, 
I probably have uh, the Hertzfelds a little higher. I, I'm mm-hmm. definitely softer for Hertzfeld. Yeah, paprika. I think there's some others. Akira's I, in there, uh, too, uh, oh, right Akira. around 50, 52, yeah. Yeah, can't can't leave out Akira. No, and, uh, it's got to be there. Uh, and I have some, some movies uh, that are guilty pleasures. I have Contact on there. Speaking of science versus uh, um, faith. <laughs> yeah. A uh, little head, ham-fisted, I think, uh, but that's a guilty pleasure. I, it's a good film. I like it a lot too. And I, I've heard I haven't read the uh, Carl Sagan book, but I've heard it's great. So it's on my bookshelf. That's one reason I I, I like. I think I, it's a guilty pleasure. I I, mm-hmm. I dorked out on Carl Sagan when I was younger, and I, I read uh, the book before the movie, and and it it pretty much follows the book pretty closely. But I I thought it was a, a good adaptation. Really distilled a lot of the same uh, themes. Uh, again, a little heavy handed, but you know I I didn't really mind so much. Sure. Uh, of course. And also slanted too. It comes out for science very much so as you'd expect. Uh, yeah, and, I, uh, I did. Uh, I, I did notice as far as the sci-fi and horror elements go. Um, you are. It looks like you're in the aliens over alien camp. Aaron, I am. Yes. Uh, I yeah. I, I think I like both, but yeah, I think aliens is the Cameron, which is surprising. I'm, I'm not a huge Cameron fan. Hmm. Uh, I, I guess I'm. I'm a moderate Cameron fan. Uh, I don't think I had Avatar. If I did, I had it low, and that was probably yeah. for the visuals. I didn't see it on there. I, T2 is there for Cameron, number 88. That's right, a, right. Yeah. Now, oh, it, so I, I'm, I'm actually a flip-flop there. I'm more of an Alien fan than Aliens, although I love both. Um, I just love the, I, <laughs> I don't know, I think the, the first film just has that, just the, the dread um, aspect to it. And I, but I, I do love, I, I think Aliens really enriches the first film and the, you know, the relationship of, um, you know, Ripley's character. But flipping that around, I, I do agree with you. I see you had Terminator at 72, also Cameron, and T2 a little lower, 88. And I'm with you, man. I A lot of people like T2 better. I think uh, Terminator, again, is just a tighter um, just mm-hmm. better film, uh, even with the <laughs> some of the older, um, you know, special effects. I, I just like the, e- even though you can tell it is a prosthetic when they cut away to, um, you know, the Terminator kind of cutting itself. I just, I love that aspect to it. And it's just mm-hmm. such a tight, tense film, so tense. So, yeah, good yeah, stuff. I think I, I did a yearly list, uh, and I, I think I accidentally left Terminator off, and so maybe the, it's a little guilt. <laughs> no, but uh-huh. and T two the technology was you know especially with the liquid metal uh, of the uh, the what what's his name the police Terminator unit I forget his name oh doesn't yeah. matter uh, Patrick's is the the actor's right. last name but yeah. So yeah, very, and that's one thing Cameron I think is exceptional. He's really pushed along uh, the uh, the uh, CG and also 3D, and that I think you have to give Avatar some credit. Uh, sure, there's absolutely. That unobtainium is <laughs> what kills. <laughs> yeah, the storytelling in Avatar is not my favorite, but yeah, nope. it, it is an experience. Uh, it was something to watch that. And speaking of IMAX, I, I saw that on IMAX. Um, yeah, I, I guess I, I see Alien as a great. It's it. it Skews more horror to me, mm. and of course there, are, you know, Aliens has horror elements, but it seems more spacey, more spy, sci-fi. So yep. yeah, I, I I guess I I prefer it a little more. Uh, it's been a while since I've uh, watched both of them, so maybe with a rewatch. Uh, but I, but I I'd really admired Aliens, and I, I yeah. actually have it as eleven. So yeah, yeah, it's it's just a great film. I, have you seen either of the director's cuts, extended cuts, whatever they're going to be called, of those that are 
Uh, the Blu-ray and DVD editions have them. I think Alien uh, adds a little bit. Uh, there's a there's a scene late in the film in Alien uh, where you see, I won't say much, but you see Dallas, and then Aliens actually adds quite a bit where uh, you really see the family there, um, Newt's family, going to the, the ship. Um, there's more elements of that. I know there's other pieces too, but that was the part that I, I thought kind of tied it uh, a bit better together. So yeah, extends it a bit. I, I like both editions. I don't really have a favorite uh, between them. I think they're all pretty pretty well done. But have you seen either editions? You know, I haven't, but I, I think I own, I know I own Aliens, so mm-hmm. that'll, that'll go on the list. Um, and I think I own Alien. I'm not, not positive. I, <laughs> that's a, a problem when you own too many DVDs. Uh, yeah. You just forget what you have. So yeah, I, I will watch it someday. Yeah, definitely uh, worth it. Probably should move on from the list. Uh, yeah. I, I should tell people that uh, it'll be on Letterboxd in a week or two, and, and we'll, we'll give people a heads up, uh, and that'll have that'll be the final list. Uh, oh, yeah, and I, I will say that I do have... I, I'm not a Star Wars dork. Uh, in fact, I was at lunch the other day, and I heard uh, overheard somebody really monotonously, or with a monotone uh, 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 voice tempo, talking about uh, trying to piece together the Kylo Ren origin story. And oh, boy. It was about as dorky as you can get. Oh, boy. But I do have all the Star Wars movies on here. I actually have Force Awakens. Uh, I think I have it at 91 right now. Oh, cool. Uh, so I could fall off, you know, depending. I'm, I'm a little, you know, it's still fresh. So I, I it could bump up uh, as well. Um, but yeah, I think I, I'm not. I don't love all the films, and I hate the prequels. But I, they're very important for sci-fi, so I, I think yeah. they belong. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people say, and I'd agree, it's more sci- uh, science fantasy, but I, I agree, I, I, they're, they really do belong there. There's some elements there, and just, you know, of course, the, the family themes, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. good good stuff. I'm oh. glad to see, I, I don't know if Dune's a guilty pleasure or not, but glad to see that at 92. Dune, 90 is, also. Dune is very much a guilty pleasure, nice. and I, I, I probably enjoy it more than I ranked it, because, I, 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 again, objective versus subjective. Yep. So yeah, I that that is a guilty pleasure. And by the way, Star Wars, if you go by what Big George says, it's a space opera. So there, there you, go. you go. That's right. Uh, mm-hmm. Not many others. Well, I'd, I'd say Dune is kind of a space opera. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we like you. You joked before the show. We, <laughs> we could talk about this for four, four hours. hours. <laughs> so yeah, we'll maybe we'll revisit when 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 the full list comes out. Uh, oh, Cloud yeah. Atlas. I would say that's a kind of a guilty pleasure, but I. Mm-hmm. I I engage with that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, it's it's cheap. I just bought the Blu-ray. I mean, it's interesting. It's a bit of a mess, but uh, I definitely want to see it again. So, yeah, the language yeah. is tricky, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Subtitles. Anyway, so that's my list, or some. Yeah, that's what I've been putting together for the last month. Uh, lists are a lot of fun for cool. us cinephiles. Oh, yeah. yeah, we definitely uh, like to dork out on those for sure. So. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, lastly for the opening, we are going to spend a little less time on World on a Wire, uh, just kind of tie, you know, sci-fi into this. But uh, we did want to make mention of the the sci-fi films that are in the Criterion Collection. There is a, uh, a list there that I, I think you had found, Aaron. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, there are a couple lists. Um, I, I found on the My Criterion, some people had, had put together their own lists of, uh, of notable Criterions. However, those are all a little dated. They're from, uh, I think the last one was 2013. And, uh, and and this website gets a lot of hate, but um, and I think it's because they just do lists all the time. Hmm. But T- Taste of Cinema did a, um, a list of the top 15, or, or I think they said 15 great sci-fi films in the collection. 
and they had a lot of the ones. I, actually, I don't think they had Solaris, um, but they had That's a lot of the weird. ones made my list. And uh, I, I, again, I think the reason they get a lot of hate is because they do a list, and, and everybody has their own uh, ideas about what should be first. Uh, in fact, sure. People will probably hate on my list, and that's fine. <laughs> oh, actually, they do have Solaris uh, at number thirteen. Uh, they do, but yeah. It, it is there, but not not so high. They had the Blob number one. I don't know if right, right. If that's really you know a true ranking, or if they just had pick fifteen. But yeah, can't say yeah. I quite agree with that. But did I have the Blob? I, no, I, I don't think I had the Blob. Uh, I, I do like the Blob, but it just didn't quite make my list. I, I also did not have the Man Who Fell to Earth. Which I, I just didn't work for me. I, hmm. Again, maybe you have to revisit. But yeah, I, I thought this was a decent list, uh, and yeah, I'm sure a lot of people will disagree because it because of it. <laughs> Blob number one. Uh, although I, I don't know if these are supposed to be ranked in. Uh, yeah, exactly. Might just be a list, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, some good ones there. They had they, they did get La Jetée and you know the out of print RoboCop. I think that was on your list. Right. So. Yep, it sure was. So. Yeah, there. That's one thing with uh, science fiction films. Uh, there are genre films, but sometimes genre films, and you know, we talked about horror and noir. Uh, they there is a lot of art to them, even though a lot of times they're uh, overlooked. You know, you don't see many science fiction movies or or really any genre movies getting nominated for Academy Awards. Right. Uh, yeah, Probably. I was disappointed. I mean, a big. I know it was on your list under the skin, and you know, just seeing that it's it it, it shows you. It, we're not quite there, like you said, as far as the Oscars go for uh, you know, genre films, because that one should have been nominated at least for Best Picture uh, or something. But and I think some of it is, you know, it is a smaller film. I mean, to us, it's it's important, but it wasn't seen as uh, probably that important of a film to the Academy. So you know, sure, it's overlooked. Sure. Yeah. Oh, they did give uh, Ex Machina some love, well, of course. That's right. Cinema yeah. or uh, visual effects or the science fiction films dominate that category. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, and of course, uh, Vikander. She didn't win for Ex Machina, but she might as well have. <laughs> yeah. So I think she won for both roles. Um, I should also mention that uh, one outlier is a Space Odyssey. Actually, did fared pretty well with the Oscars. I think it got three or four nominations, and it, I think it also won visual effects, which yeah, was must a have won sl- visual slam effects. dunk. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, that could win best for their time, uh, best special effects of all time. Oh yeah, given given the when it came out, so yeah, yeah, should have been best picture too. But anyway, <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> I think, and and that's why I think having time and and perspective, uh, a lot of sci-fi films age well, age better than uh, I think a lot of dramas. Yeah, yeah, it's funny it, they can become dated, but if they're good enough, they they certainly do age well. And uh, I can I can see that in the movie we're going to be talking about. <laughs> sure. Yeah, Solaris yeah. is is dated because <laughs> uh, they show highways <laughs> uh, yeah. as being futuristic, which you know, five years later they would be pretty contemporary. I think they use uh, Japan Japanese uh, highways for those sequences, didn't they? Oh yeah, I don't know. I haven't uh, delved into the disc yet, so I need we we need that excuse. We got to do it. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we got to put it on the calendar. Yeah. Cool. So, um, I I think anything else on sci-fi films, or should we transition into another sci-fi film from Mr. Uh, Mr. Fast uh, Warner Rainer Fastbinders uh, Fastbenders only sci-fi film apparently, which was a surprise to me. But, I yeah. think we've talked for about an hour, so I uh, <laughs> sci-fi good. Watch yes. sci-fi and uh, and and any feedback on on these lists, you know, feel free to give your 
your favorite films on Twitter or email. And, and by the way, Mark, uh, I think you mentioned 2001 is your favorite film, but mm-hmm. would your list be pretty comparable to mine, do you think, if you put one together? Very much so. Uh, I think you, I mean, especially I, I've been come to Criterion a few few years ago, and I think some of these films certainly would bubble up even more. Um, there might be some nostalgia picks, like I, I certainly would have Alien probably higher. I'd probably have Under the Skin. I think you had 22 a little higher. But overall, taking this list, I mean, I would, you could, your top five would certainly be in my top five, uh, Solaris, Metropolis, La Jetée, Stalker, 2001, Children of Men, um, Seconds I'd Need to Revisit. But and I, I'm a big Although it's dark and difficult, I'm a big Clockwork Orange fan, so mm-hmm. um, I might, I'd probably, you know, I'd add Alien in there, and I'm not sure if I'd really mm-hmm. add much else. I mean, I love Star Wars, but this is a, yeah, it's a, a, a really good list. Uh, oh, and as far as horror goes, you had the thing in there, too. I, that would certainly be in my yeah. top 15. So yeah, that's, I, I, that's that's one that's definitely science fiction yeah. slash horror, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and I should mention that there, there is a film I have that is still in theaters, or just came out in theaters, which was The Lobster. That's right. Which I uh, I, I liked, and I, actually that was a short take I did with uh, Keith uh, last week that we deleted because we talked too much about politics, <laughs> uh, and we had some audio issues during that segment too. But, uh, the yeah. lost short take. <laughs> <laughs> but that one also resonated. Uh, I've, I've re- come back to it uh, in the last couple of weeks uh, a few times. Uh, cool. Solid film, uh, different as you'd expect from that filmmaker Lentimos yeah yeah <laughs> sure yeah so nice, right. nice work with your list let's get to uh, real life or not real life or maybe real life I don't maybe know maybe some, some plane of existence uh, we'll see we'll, we'll take a short break and we'll come back with a world on a wire yeah that's right McNulty Welcome back, everyone, to Criterion Close-Up. I'm Mark Herney. I'm here with Aaron West. We are talking about Warner, Rayner, Fastbinders, Fastbenders. I keep saying, I see the word, <laughs> I see the word, and I know how to pronounce it. It's like my old, you know, documentary uh, issue. I'll get past it sometime. Plus, it's uh, it's Werner. That's right. Rayner, Werner, Fastbender. Thank yeah, you. So, yeah. I'm just going to say Fastbender from now on and just uh, skip the rest of it. I think you're thinking Michael Fastbender, Prometheus. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Shame. There's a little bit of a, a tie in there with uh, sci-fi, but I'll, I'm just going to start calling him, uh, you know, uh, RWF for short. I think my wife would say there's part of him that is from another planet. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. People know uh, the, the filmmaker, so yeah. So talking no, about World on a Wire. I was talking about Michael, Michael Fassbender. Oh, anyway, that guy. Yeah. Some well. people will, will get that joke, and uh, <laughs> if not. Well, we're just keeping our clean rating for this episode. A lot of, a lot of crushes on that guy. I can understand that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and speaking of which, we're, we're playing uh, Fleetwood Mac, uh, which is, isn't that kind of awesome? 1973, Fleetwood Mac in a German film. That's oh, great. Before I, I even, Buckingham, Nick's. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know and, it was them at, at first. That's so great. Yeah, probably, you know, half a decade before they were even known here or well known here. I think they this got them some traction. But yeah, a perfect song for the movie too. Yeah, it's great. And, and as far as you know, renown goes, I mean, this this film uh, was really, I, I think, or at least Fassbender got his 
you know, he was discovered outside of Germany more, uh, from what I understand, like in Paris and uh, the U.S., kind of other countries kind of propping him up and uh, making him known. So yeah, a little tie in there. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and I think you're going to be on a journey since you haven't seen many Fassbender films. Yeah. He's, he's high on my list. I mean, so, uh, I've, yeah, I, I've now seen this one twice, and I've got to see uh, some others. This one being you know, only his, his only sci-fi film. But, uh, yeah. Oh, wow, you watched it twice, huh? Yeah. yeah it's, well, sci-fi, so <laughs> it's my <laughs> right, thing. Right. I, had to, I had to see it. it. This was, I mean, when it came out, um, Criterion was bringing it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. You know, one thing I noticed is uh, Criterion released this. This was uh, originally made for German TV. Uh, came out in a couple of episodes, as you will see when you see it. It's about three and a half hours long, uh, and it kind of disappeared for decades. Uh, I think it had a, a little revival um, in some you know major city venues, but it finally got home video releases in uh, 2010 from the I'll call them the RWF Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with a restoration in 2010, there's a Blu-ray available in uh, Germany, of course, and also in France, and of course this one from uh, Criterion. So nice to see it making a bit of a revival. Isn't film preservation amazing? <sighs> Get love rediscoveries it. like this, yeah. So yeah. Uh, and, and there's lots more where that came from from Fassbender. Yeah, yeah. Some we haven't seen. So this one, uh, should we set up the film? And it's uh, we're, we're going to uh, keep well, this one a little short. Yeah, we're going to talk about. Uh, oh, yeah, go ahead and set up the film. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's it's spine number um, nine, uh, five ninety eight, and it's got uh, you know some noir elements. Criterion calls it gloriously paranoid, boundlessly inventive. Uh, some comparisons to Kubrick, Kurt Vonnegut, the author, and Philip K. Dick, the author. I mean, those are all you know, definitely mm-hmm. appropriate. As I mentioned, made for German television and. Uh, <laughs> from one of cinema's kinkiest geniuses, uh, they call from um, uh, <laughs> Fassbender. Uh, it's also based on a novel, Simulacrum Three, um, from Daniel uh, Galul, I believe it is. I, I'm not sure if he's German or not, but uh, this is one. I went right to my book list. I, I want to read this. It's still in print. You can find it. My lo- library doesn't have it, but Amazon has it for about 10 bucks. Um, and the IMDb synopsis, it's just somewhere in the future. There's a computer project called Simulacrum, uh, one of which is able to simulate a full-featured reality. So um, this film's from 1973, and that kind of synopsis might make you think of other films. I had noted, I know folks have noted other ones, but uh, um, I mean, as far as, uh, well, maybe we'll get into some of the influences uh, of this film later. Sure, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, the the writer is American, so there you go. You don't have to worry yeah. about translations. And because he's American, his name is probably pronounced uh, like Galoui or <laughs> Gallo. Uh, you don't have to worry about accenting it. Uh, probably, I don't know. We, I, we I are get so for good. That. We are so good at uh, mispronouncing names. I love it. We <laughs> well, we just if it looks French, we pronounce it French or German. Right. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Um, Fassbender is a pretty remarkable. Well, person, <laughs> actually, he's really a strange person. Uh, uh, very had his demons, uh, very anxiety. He did a lot of drugs, died early. Uh, kind of a tragic figure in a, in a way. Uh, but he was uh, one of the most prolific filmmakers. And as far as consistency, I mean, he put out film after film, all of which were not maybe all, but most of which were exceedingly high quality. And and kind of he kept on one upping himself. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people would say Ali Fury eats the soul is maybe his high point, 
but still, you know, there's the the BRD trilogy. There's uh, he he did a 13 hour miniseries mm-hmm. Berlin Alexander Platz. Uh, so yeah, he, he's an art film director, but he's uh, there's a lot of angst in his films as there was in him as a human being. And uh, and this one is actually an outlier in a, in a lot of ways, not just the science fiction, but it's tonally very different. Uh, and, and thematic. Well, it has some some things in common. I, I, the ending is different. We're not we're not going to spoil this one. We decided, so mm-hmm. we won't go into how. But uh, it's it's not very fastbender like, so that might be a spoiler in itself. But sorry. But yeah, I, I think. Uh, but he definitely doesn't have a distinct eye. It's a distinct visual sense, uh, and uh, he has his stable of actors, uh, many of whom we see here. Uh, in fact, many of whom would be in Ali Furit's The Soul. That's right. And uh, and some were stars. It, he, it was great at directing female actresses. Uh, Hannah Shigaila, I believe I might mispronounce that. She was going to be uh, the um, the the uh, one of the characters, uh, Volmer. The oh, daughter, yeah, Ava Volmer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, and she, of course, was Maria Braun and a lot of other. Uh, she's a tremendous actress. So yeah, yeah a, a fascinating director, and um, I, I recommend you see more from him. Nice. Yeah, I can't wait. It's it'll be interesting to see some of these actors that I've only seen in these this these films in, um, you know, some of his other films. And he also brought some actors who had been you know stars early on into. Uh, this film, so kind of mm-hmm. you know resurrected them a little bit in some some roles, and there's also a, a sighting of um, oh, the character. I, I know this made your list too in Alphaville. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the name Doug, name Doug will me, be but. very happy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I, that's that's him. another uh, objectively. I, I I think it's very important, but it's a tough film. So anyway, yeah. I'm not, Ed, not Eddie Constantine. That. that was the name I was. Uh, he was in this. Yes. Of. Yeah. Was the one so, and you know the new German cinema. They really did hate those forties and fifties, and even sixties films. And I mean, mm-hmm. hate, hate with a capital H. Uh, so it it is interesting that he brought these actors back and actually continued to work with uh, some of them. So. Yeah, but yeah, uh, strange world. Uh, <laughs> yeah, full of uh, paranoia, noir. I mean, there's there's so many different uh, elements in this, and I, for me, I was glad to really delve into it. I hadn't, again, seen much by uh, Fassbender and looking at, I think it was interesting, uh, there's a bit in the supplements, but how he's a a fast filmmaker. Uh, I think his way of working where he he doesn't want to really set up a scene until he's on the set and then right. kind of, you know, put it together there. I mean, that's Genius. kind of yeah. that's what he is. Yeah. yeah. It made me think of actually podcasting too, where, you know, you can either be very, um, have a lot of setup in your outline or how you say things, or you can just kind of come to the table. Maybe you, uh, I've heard some podcasts where they just go to a movie and then it's very mm-hmm. fresh in their head and they just do it. Uh, and he's certainly that kind of uh, filmmaker. Yeah, say. sure. We've had success with both. You know, we, I mean, I think some of our better episodes or are, are well received episodes are ones where we just said, okay, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. Kind of off the so, cuff. Yeah. Can work uh, either way. Yeah. Um, well, should we talk about his style and, uh, and, and the style he brought to this film? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say, um, you know, I kind of mentioned that piece of it uh, a, a little bit off the cuff. I mean, the, the set design is great. I think he does, you know, you had mentioned where he, he, uh, 
is an art film director, although he wanted to. He didn't necessarily want to be known as just an art film director. I mean, I don't know who necessarily does. He wanted to be be brought to a large audience, and so you know, television was a way to do that. I mean, there were two channels, so he you know had the mm-hmm. ability to to be shown to other. Um, you know, a larger, at least on the German side, um, you know, the, those two channels that uh, folks would see. But he, I mean, as far as his style, there's a lot. The camera, to me, is just always moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think you can kind of see that. I mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes it draws attention to itself, but um, whether it's a lot of tracking shots, uh, there's a even a shot where this the camera is very low to the ground uh, mm-hmm. as a uh, as a tracking shot and some some zooms that might uh, be kind of call attention to themselves but you know um, there's there's one early on uh, with the scene with Vollmer where uh, it's a long zoom out and then another one um, that kind of tracks him backwards I, I think in, or it's probably a slow zoom um, back and a uh, lot just a lot of of movement and you know you see that uh, that kind of style and there's not a lot uh, to his films I mean I I felt like Aaron this film really worked for his style because it's it's understated there's not a lot of sci-fi you know he didn't have a, a big budget so there's sure. not a lot that he could really do with it but it worked in the way that he had it I mean this story is um, it's a sci-fi story. I, I think of you know some other kind of smaller sci-fi films, maybe like you know like a La Jete that just works so well um, mm-hmm. within that construct without needing uh, a lot of um, a lot of special effects. But we are kind of put put on edge maybe with the uh, the camera work. Um, <laughs> so I don't. What do you think? Yeah, I think a, a cr- with science fiction, a creative shooting style really goes a long way, mm-hmm. or, or not even shooting, but framing uh, like La Jete. Sure. And uh, and it's definitely here. You mentioned the zooms. I, I think uh, a lot of times the the camera seems to have a mind of its own, and it uh, magnifies. You know, say Stiller. Uh, sometimes it just goes right into his face uh, during yep. a, a reaction. And and yeah, the fact that he didn't spend a lot of time with setup and still got all these magnificent shots. You know, sometimes they the camera circles or moves around the room. Uh, for for yeah. a TV film, it is very very. Uh, uh, well, creative is the word I use. Innovative, I, I'd say. Uh, although they yeah. they admit to stealing a shot from uh, uh, from uh, uh, Bertolucci's um, Bertolucci's, yeah, Last Tango Last in Paris. Tango. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like uh, you, you get the sense where he's just like, "Oh, let's just try this." You know, we'll see what mm-hmm. happens, and um, not a lot of takes either, uh, from what yeah. I understand. Which but it makes it sense. Almost always works, and uh, and he he uses a lot of obstructions too. Shoots through things, and uh, yeah, and and I think it, it just kind of uh, contributes to the disease, the uneasiness of the the film. Uh, Absolutely. And the angst, and the uh, uh, and the mise en scene. Well, the the sounds. Uh, you know, some of these sounds. Brace yourselves. <laughs> Some of the sounds are a little um, crazy, like that one, and uh, yeah. So it, it, it kind of makes you question, as a viewer, you know, what is this world that we're in? Just right. as the the protagonist is is questioning it himself and trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. What's what's reality? I mean, that's really you're, you're really put on edge through this film. And there's, I mean, I know th- there's scenes where it looks like there's water in front of the camera. It's probably mm-hmm. just glass. Um, they talked about maybe there was a Bunsen burner at the beginning to kind of make it look kind right. of you know um, just kind of 
turn the, not necessarily out of focus, but there are some, and we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the use of mirrors. I mean, I know. Oh, everywhere. <laughs> Fassbender's a mirror fan, but it's all over the place. And some of them are just disorienting mirrors. They're not like just straight up mirrors. They mm-hmm. are, um, you know, ones that kind of distort the face, uh, which again, works well for this film. Tremendous. And there's that 360 yeah. shot uh, that, that has mirrors. I mean, there's some brilliant shots in this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's. Uh, there's one too that you know I I noticed it the first time I saw it and I saw it again. Where I, did you notice any times where it, I think it works with his style? It works with this film, especially because again it's science fiction. We're put on edge, but I could actually see the cameraman at one point. Um, you know, kind of lifting his his hand to the camera. I thought, and I also yeah, yeah, saw. Yeah. Yeah, you I, could. I saw the track um, in that 360 shot around the uh, the desk. You could very clearly, you know, like three or four times as it goes around. It's about a 50-second shot around yep. the desk with a journalist and Stiller. You can see the, the track, and it just seems like... I guess he didn't care. <laughs> there are you know? some faux pas in the in the film, uh, yeah. and yeah, I think uh, and there's another scene uh, near the pool scene. There's some residue at the at the top. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did notice these yep. things, and uh, and yeah, but I, I didn't mind him. No, it's just that's the way he did it. Yeah, and and they they addressed some of them in the uh, the the feature. I think it was in the documentary about how they saw him, and they just they're like, okay, they're there. People aren't going to notice. Of course, we did, but <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah, it probably, you know, with the advent of Blu-ray like this, we're, you know, easier to, to see it than, than maybe <laughs> audiences would in uh, 1973. But Yeah, it's a very deep film, too. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just one note I wrote down is uh, about the th- thematics is, can you trust memory? Yeah. Can you trust your own perception of reality? And can you trust your own sanity? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what mm-hmm. it asks. Yeah, yeah. The, the last one, especially, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, th- there was a point where I actually had to write a note, Aaron, because um, it, it fits so well with the film. Um, when I was I was falling asleep just this past week after seeing part of the film, and mm-hmm. you know how I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you're about to fall asleep and you get into you just start getting into that dream world, that's kind of an alternate world of of, of your own, but you're not quite asleep. You're kind of you know in between. Sure. You, that's when you, you're getting yeah. un- unplugged from the matrix. Is what yes, that's exactly. What's happening there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I can't help but talk about the matrix, but yeah, you just kind of feel yourself drifting. Thoughts mm-hmm. kind of get weird, you know, and it's just uh, that that yeah. moment. I'm just like, wow, I feel like I'm you know in this world now that I've been watching uh, this movie, and uh, that's kind of the film, yeah, and yeah. You, you know, little your chairs are spinning around. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, there's some that are uh, some little wacky, uh, uh, I guess, anxious moments that, uh, or I, I shouldn't say anxious, but uh, uh, un- unrealistic, you know, yeah, moments that just, they really work. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, and it's very, I mean, you mentioned The Matrix. In my notes, I took a lot of notes just because uh, when I get into a sci-fi film like this, it took me forever to watch it because, you know, I, mm-hmm. I had so many thoughts that I just wanted to, kind of wrestle with and I actually noted the Matrix film itself three times and I mentioned uh, I noted the Matrix reloaded five times because uh, I, I think you know reloaded actually gets into the um, kind of the science of it uh, a bit more and how this world works so yeah I just couldn't couldn't help but make those those parallels but you know there's also um, other films I thought of were uh, Tron I know has been brought up mm-hmm. um, you know certainly certainly there Dark City uh, the Alex Proyas film, and then uh, the 13th Floor, which is also, which is directed by, or uh, executive produced by the cinematographer, uh, Balaus, I believe it is. 
Um, not as good a film, uh, and you can tell it is kind of the same story. But if you're interested in this, I, I'd certainly um, you know recommend that one. But yeah, a lot of yeah, lot of influence. Mi- that one was not very well received, and so mm-hmm. I, I I missed it. But uh, yeah, I, I, and I thought about watching it before this, but uh, I, I don't know. What do you think? Think I should uh, should bother? I wouldn't bother unless you have time. You know, it, it's certainly an interesting little uh, curiosity, but just, yeah, it's not a good film. This is <laughs> much better. <laughs> um, I would just uh, probably stick with this one. But there was also, um, I noted there was, um, as far as a connection, I just re- I just bought the film. I think it's a horror film, Tenderness of the Wolves. And the, oh, yeah. Um, That's the, uh, on Arrow. Yeah, yeah, it just came out on Arrow. And it directed by uh, Yuli uh, Lomel, Lamo, mm-hmm. I believe it is, who actually stars... Uh, in this film, as the uh, the journalist I, I mentioned uh, before, so a little uh, connection there. Yeah, some of yeah. the same stars in that film too. But uh, yeah, any uh, any other kind of elements that bubbled up for you for uh, this? There's another filmmaker I want to mention. We've talked about, but well, I, I think pointing out the Matrix, it's mm-hmm. easy to make that uh, that comparison because they're uh, it's such a hugely popular movie and and. It's a good movie. I, I like The Matrix. It made my, my list. Uh, but I think uh, what, what I said about Frau Imond, uh, Woman in the Moon, is that uh, this film, and I guess the book as well, did a pretty good job at predicting the future. And I, I think yeah. that, you know, of course, when you see the computers, they're very rudimentary uh, for today. You know, I think if uh, Stiller saw me podcasting with this laptop can configuration he would uh, think i'm in a different reality <laughs> that's right uh, but it you know it virtual reality uh you know it, it got a lot of it a lot of things right now we haven't mm-hmm. I, at least to my knowledge we have not transcended this reality into a, another one yet that but we know I, I of that's coming I, I think maybe give two three years um yeah, yeah we'll that cre- we know of. We we might be in the matrix right now. We don't know, but <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna create some uh, some uh, virtual reality world. Well, actually, yeah, if you think about like World of Warcraft, that's kind of a <laughs> yeah. In a way, you know, there there are little worlds. Of course, we are aware we're in them, but they're pretty immersive. So yeah, it's uh it's predictive. Yeah, I certainly, and you know, there there are some. I mean, we talked about there's the the kind of the the paranoid elements and just you know feeling of disorientation uh, because of those those different planes uh, like you talked about and a lot of the effects do look dated but they're still relevant I think I mean I, I think what Fastbender does with uh, a sci-fi film is you, you kind of um, make the you don't need a lot of special effects you can just tell the story um, much um, you know, smaller, I guess, uh, with the way that he, he does it. I, I think he really brings up a lot of ideas like that. And, you know, what's mm-hmm. um, important, planes of existence. Again, I mean, this is a very kind of existential film, but there's also the kind of economical piece of it where uh, they talk about being able to predict economics uh, really with and, right, right. And, and human behavior and society uh, with the computer. That's just, I haven't really heard of that kind of thing done mm-hmm. in any other film. I mean, it may be out there. But that was a little wacky, but you know, that's okay. They can't get everything right. Yeah. Uh, another film I, I think that's worth comparing this to is Inception. Oh, yeah, uh, I with, dr- with dreams, but yeah, that, that, that there you could parallel it with a lot of, a lot of science fiction films. In fact, you could probably just go through that list of uh, 100 <laughs> right. films I put together and just check boxes. <laughs> yeah, like, like half of them. Yeah, it certainly covers um, qu- quite a bit. So, 
Yeah, well, I know we're going to give this short shrift because we uh, talked, geeked out on sci- sci-fi a lot, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know, what do you, what'd you think? You like this film? I like it a lot, I, even even more with the second viewing. It, it is a bit long. I think the second part could have been trimmed a little bit, and I didn't get a chance to look into it, but I think the original version was three hours, and this one's three and a half, so maybe it has been trimmed, but um, I love it. I, I really do. I, I think it's just another, you know, it's my, it's in my bailiwick. It's my genre. I love sci-fi. So it was certainly going to resonate with me, but it's just a reminder that you don't need big budgets and special effects to tell a compelling and interesting story. So, you know, world on a wire for me, I, I could go as high as a nine. It's probably an eight, you know, because of the mm-hmm. length and just the way the, the, the film is, it doesn't, you know, not every scene works. So I'll, I'll give it an eight. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I actually, it, on this tentative list right now, it's at number 21, so that'll probably be different. Uh, yeah, it's actually, pretty high. It's, mm-hmm. it's right below Primer, uh, which is another low-budget film that uh, that shows you don't need yep. don't need a lot of money to uh, make a, a good sci-fi film, and I, I think that's the case here. I, I have the same uh, critique, though. I, I think it is long, and uh, and actually, I, I, from the supplements, they, they intended for it to be 90 minutes, is what they said. That's right, originally, but, yeah. Just but then they there. stretched mm-hmm. it into two parts, and yeah, I do think that it does stall for a little bit during that, that uh, well, I don't know, the fifth, sixth act, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, I, I think actually probably, it, it definitely was more story than 90 minutes, uh, for sure, but I, I think it could have easily been two yeah. and a half hours, and that would have been a more cohesive uh, and film that that uh, I guess um, flowed better. So right. yeah, I, but there's a lot to like. I love the style. I love the 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 quirkiness of it. I, I just I, I love the uh, yeah. It's it's very fastbender if you've seen it, even though even though it's not. <laughs> I know that if you're a fan of fastbender, you'll kind of understand that. So I'm yeah. actually with you. I'm giving it an eight, and uh, and it would not canonize this one, but. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's still well worth seeing in an important sci-fi. Yeah, yeah. Probably not canon-worthy either, I would say. I mean, I, I'd almost like to because I'm just so glad that, as we talked before, Criterion put this out, uh, this little oddity that may not have been seen uh, otherwise. So, uh, But no, not not quite. I'm, I'm sure there's there's going to be a canon-worthy uh, Fassbender film somewhere. But uh, probably. Not quite this one. So, one day. And, yeah. As far as the you know the supplements, there's not a lot on here. There's really just a, a in the booklet. There's of course an essay that I did read. I thought was uh, very nice, and a couple of um, the well, they're actually a little bit longer. There's an interview with Gerd uh, Gemunden, which mm-hmm. is uh, about 30 minutes. Um, Gerd is a, a scholar, and this was recorded by Criterion in 2011. And then um, there's a World on a Wire, looking ahead to today, which includes a number of uh, interviews with uh, some of the filmmakers, um, cinematographer, co-screenwriter, actor, and uh, pulls in some of the uh, the other folks too. So, uh, But what what do you think of uh, the interview, Aaron? You're going to talk briefly about that. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I, I thought it actually served as uh, more of a visual essay, and, uh, and I, I liked oh, yeah. how he just kind of uh, walked through a lot of the elements, uh, a lot of the stuff we've kind of uh, talked about here. Uh, Gerd Gumenden. Gum- oh, my wife will kill me for that. It's tough. <laughs> she's, yeah. she's a German major. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought he d- did a good job of uh, of summarizing the themes and uh, F- Fassbender's uh, motivations and, and uh, thought process. Uh, and and yeah, the documentary was good too. So, uh, do you want to mention that? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I, one of the things I noted was, geez, I I would love to see more of a documentary like this from Criterion, where uh, you know he's actually it's the cinematographer there 
mm-hmm. as they're really finishing the grading of the film. And I just thought that was great because, you know, you do see that it was um, supervised by him, uh, Michael Balaus. And, uh, but, you know, it, they talked about like the, you know, the, the fuzzball there, as you'd mentioned right. before, but. Fuzzball. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh it up, fuzzball. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I'd love to see more more like this. I I thought it got into the filmmaking and you know the different uh, folks that they did interview talked about some of the other uh, actors. That, you know, a lot of the pieces I've already mentioned how they you know mm-hmm. they brought um, some of the old actors back to this film. I loved the intercutting of the film posters uh, by the editors here when they right. talked about the you know some of the older uh, stars from some of the other films and. Um, you know, not wanting to, uh, Fassbender not wanting to uh, look at the, um, kind of his process, you know, not wanting to look at the location before he actually uh, right, filmed there. Right. So, yeah, I I don't know. It's uh, it's quite the couple of uh, supplements. So I think, you know, really looking at this from a, a criterion rating, I, they were both rich, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know if you'd really get more than what's here, and they both are new to criterion. They brought them themselves. So, you know, film rating at eight, um, rich supplements, although not a lot. There's not a commentary. So I'm going to keep it as an eight as a criterion rating, very solid. Yeah, same. Uh, although I, I do think you know, as you get a lot of bang for your buck in that uh, that two hours or so, to, or hour and a half to watch uh, both supplements. Yeah, and and there, I think there's something to be said for not filling up a disc with supplements that aren't going to enhance the viewing. You know, not ju- just to have a bigger list of uh, of things. So right, and, uh, there and is I, a trailer too. I should mention, but yeah, right, trailer. And and there are some discs that have had uh, just I think too many supplements. You know, the little. You know the ones that have the endless interviews, and even though I like interviews, sometimes there is too much. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you. I'm sticking with an eight. Uh, great disc. I recommend people. Very important if you like sci-fi, even if yes. you don't like art sci-fi, it's it's worth watching just for the concept. I think. Yep, absolutely. If you're a sci-fi fan, it's a, a must see, must uh, own. Just give yourself some time because it is three and a <laughs> half hours. So and it is broken up um, into yeah. t- two parts and. Yeah. Um, at a good point, I, I think the break is uh, done. So watch it like a TV series. You know, watch yep. one part one day, and then maybe wait a few days or a week and watch part two, and yep. you'll get the uh, the full experience. Yeah, agreed. The people in Germany got in the early seventies. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very very solid release. And it, again, just happy that it it is here. I, again, it's it's uh, one that kind of resurrected from the the Netherlands um so nice uh, nice work right here from the Netherlands <laughs> <laughs> is that where it was all this time that's right some virtual reality I'm sure the so. Netherlands or the nether regions I guess yeah yeah, yeah so I, I know we stuff. gave it short treatment we didn't spoil anything but uh yeah it's such a massive film that we could have unpacked it in, in a lot of detail maybe one day we'll come back to it but uh yeah yeah, yeah maybe maybe fun. as it relates to, to other other films but uh yeah oh you know I, I i'd be remiss if i didn't mention but you know the one director i did think of who was new to me was Rivette. just with the use of mirrors and the the staging of this it did remind me of him a lot i kind of thought of Rivette and even watching duel which has some sci-fi elements to it i, mm-hmm. I felt um that kind of um you know, uh, influence. So yeah, Ooh. nice parallel. 
I might have to put Duel on my list. <laughs> oh, there you go. Is that is that sci-fi? Do you think? I I it's could put it sci-fi. Sure. Yeah. It, well, yeah. It probably is more more fantasy, really. But uh, yeah. No, I'll have to ponder that. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, no, I can see that too. Uh, also, the uh, if if they had put a performance of some play in the middle of the movie, then it would be like smack. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Re- Rivet. So uh, no, there's none of that. It's a lot more accessible than Rivet. Yeah. But yeah. So sure. is anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So good film. So that's uh, World on a Wire and our sci-fi discussion. Hope folks enjoyed that. Um, so want to let folks know where to find us online. You can find us, Criterion CU, on Twitter. Uh, CriterionCloseUp.com uh, is our website. Email us, feedback at Criterion Close Up. We did get some recent feedback about the Manchurian Candidate. Um, so yeah, definitely good uh, appreciate Thank that. Uh, send, us some, send us some feedback. Even, uh, Aaron, you mentioned this before. If you know we're going to talk about a film, you want to send some feedback, maybe we'll feature it on that particular episode. So feel free mm-hmm. to you know send us uh, an email especially or uh, a tweet. We'll We'll feature it there. And you can find us on Facebook, uh, Facebook slash Criterion Close Up. Aaron, where can we find you? Well, uh, you can also send us your, your top 10 sci-fi films. I think that might be fun if yeah. some people do that or tweet it uh, if you can fit it in 140 characters. Uh, speaking of great. tweeting, I'm yeah, I'm at AWES505. Uh, when I finish the sci-fi list, I'll, I'll pin it to my profile. So if you want to keep an eye out for that, uh, it'll, it'll show up. And, and I'll put it on a show notes of some future episode. And what about you, Mr. Herney? Cool. Well, folks can find me on Twitter at uh, at Mark Herney. It's H-U-R-N-E. <laughs> As I always like to say. Uh, it's yeah, it's a tough one to uh, to spell and uh, pronounce. And Letterbox, the same place. Uh, more iTunes reviews, please. We always ask for those. I'll just leave it there. Thank you for listening to Criterion Close-Up. We'll talk to you soon.